I hope you brought your Bibles with you. Uh, there's nothing that's going to come on the screen at the moment, so just swipe to those verses or uh, flip to those verses. 1 Corinthians 1, verse uh, 12, um, chapter 12, verse 1 to 11. The word of God says the following. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers or sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, wherever you were led, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the Spirit, uh, the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit, or portions to each and each one individually as he wills. So, Father God, we give you thanks and praise for the reading of your word. We thank you, Father God, that as we continue to uh, focus and look at the Holy Spirit, Father God, we pray, Father God, that we, the Holy Spirit, Father God, um, manifests himself, Father God, in our lives. And Lord Jesus Christ, we get more insight into who the Holy Spirit is. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. So today I'm going to take some time just to focus on the scriptures that we, we just read. Um, there are a couple of things that uh, I, 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 I'll zoom into and I want us to focus on before we get into the manifestation of the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I will not be able to cover all the gifts, um, but um, during the course of uh, the coming weeks, we're going to touch on uh, some, of, uh, some or most of the gifts. So uh, the, the first thing that I want us to be aware of is that the Bible says, be not ignorant. That's the first thing that we want you to be aware of. Be not uninformed about the Holy Spirit and his gifts and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. It would be like me going out with, uh, for lunch or coffee, um, going out uh, for lunch and coffee to, with the, one of the richest people in the world. And all I was interested in, in that individual, was keeping company with that individual, rather than realizing that that individual keeps companies. Because, ladies and gentlemen, if I'm going to be fully known and I'm, fully going to, I'm going to fully know you, I need to know that you are a combination of character and ability. 
You are both character and ability. And your character is well-defined and well-expressed when it finds itself in ability. We get to know who you are. If we, if we just get to know you in character, we will not fully know your, the extent of who you are. And God does not want us to be ignorant about the function of the Holy Spirit, his ability and what he can do. Because in that ability, in that expression, we get to know who the Holy Spirit is. Unfortunately, in the Christian circles, we have created two camps. There is a camp that just deals with character. A camp that um, uh, talks about the inward working of the Holy Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit. Not the fruit, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Dealing with character only. And in the extremes of that um, uh, camp is what's called the cessationists, or the people who believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit uh, do not exist anymore. They died and ceased when the apostles, the last apostle, uh, died. That, and so the gifts of the Spirit are no longer in function in this life that we live. Then on the other side, we've got the charismatics. These are the people who believe in the outward working of the Holy Spirit. But sometimes, if you go to the extremes of that movement, you will find people who neglect the character or the inward uh, uh, working of the Holy Spirit. They are all about power and nothing about God working within them. They are all about God working out of them, uh, uh, doing wonders and signs through them, and not God working in them. And that is the case that we find the church in Corinth. The church in Corinth was working in, God was doing so many wonderful things in the church in Corinth. They were, they were God was working in, uh, in wonders, in miracles, and all these signs were in manifestation in the church in Corinth. And so they believed that they were spiritual. But Paul gives them the right perspective and says to them, listen, gentlemen, you are not spiritual, but you are very immature. Because the gifts of the Spirit do not make you a mature Christian, but the character makes you a mature Christian. Character keeps you up. Ability takes you up. But character doesn't take you up, nor will ability keep you up. So we need both of these. In Proverbs 16, verse 32, the Word of God says the following. It says, he who, he who, um, he who is slow to anger is, is better than the mighty. And he who controls his spirit, he who rules over his spirit better than the one who can take over a city. So we see that in, 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 in light of that scripture, we see that character is very important, but also ability for us to conquer and go into the world. We need the ability and uh, what the Holy Spirit can do uh, through us. So we, the second point that we need to be aware of is that uh, there, is diversity, uh, there is diversity and, no, and not division. The Holy Spirit functions in diversity. But in his function of diversity, there is no division. There is no disorder. There is no confusion when he functions. The Bible says the following. It says in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 33, it says, Our God is not a God of disorder or confusion, but a God of peace. And so it should be in all the assemblies of the saints. In other words, in all the assemblies of the saints, there should not be any division. There should not be any disorder. There should be unity and a variety of gifts working and manifesting through Christians. 
You see, the Holy Spirit and the Godhead function differently. They are one, but they all function differently. We have to understand that. It's not Jesus doing exactly, he does exactly what the Father wants to do, but he does it in a certain way. The Holy Spirit does it in a certain way. We see this in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4. It says, the Holy Spirit, there are diversities of gifts, but the Holy Spirit, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, verse 12, um, 12 verse 4, there are diversities of gifts, but it is the same Spirit who gives those gifts. So we see that the Holy Spirit is a giver of gifts. He's the one who gives us the spiritual gifts. Verse 5 says the following. It says there are varieties of administration and services or ministry, but it is the same Lord. So our Lord Jesus Christ is the director. He is the one who is in operation. He's the one who is making sure that the operations in the church are all in unity and it's all in harmony. He is the one, he's the one making sure that we are all together. Because, ladies and gentlemen, the church is a well, should be a well-oiled machine. With so many moving parts, uh, Jesus Christ is the one who brings that unity. Amen. That's why the gifts of Jesus, the gifts from Jesus are the fivefold ministry. The fivefold ministry is not the gifts from the Holy Spirit. Those are gifts from Jesus Christ. And those ministries are so that the church comes to the unity of faith and into one body. Amen. So, verse 6 says there are varieties of activities. So, we see that it is God who is the enabler of those activities. God is the one who executes those activities. He's the one who brings the results to those activities. Paul, Paul puts it this way. I, Paul, planted, Apollos watered, God brought the increase. So we see that God is the one who brings the increase. And so we see in all this complexity of function, there is the Holy Spirit does not bring complication, but he complements. There is a synergy. And therefore, when we are in the body of Christ, when we are in church, we do not bring complication, but we complement. The Holy Spirit will not manifest himself like a, a, a member of the opposition party. Clamor and unconstructive comments in the house. Ladies and gentlemen, friends, right now there are varieties of ideas, opinions, and uh, comments, cultures. Everyone here is different in a way. But ladies and gentlemen, when the Holy Spirit manifests in our lives, there is unity. And we find ourselves in a common union which is brought about by the bond of love and peace as we submit to one another. We do not submit to each other because of position. We don't submit to each other because of uh, gender or race or, or class. We submit to each other because I see Jesus Christ in you. I see Jesus Christ in you. I'm submitting to the Jesus inside of you, and you submitting to the Jesus inside of me. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ that lives in me. Amen. That's why we submit to each other. Paul puts it beautifully in Philippians 2, verse 1 to 2. He says the following, and I've skipped out some parts. It doesn't mean I've changed the word of God, but I've, I've jumped certain things so that uh, we see uh, a certain portion here. So he says, so if there is any participation in the Spirit, 
complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. If there's going to be any participation in the Holy Spirit, we need to be of one accord. The manifestation of the Spirit is not so that, it is not so that we bring people down, but it is so that we point people to the Savior. It is also not so that the person with the gift is exalted. If you ever find yourself after somebody um, operates in a certain gift and you find yourself becoming so, so close to that person, run away because you are meant to be getting closer to your Savior and not closer to an individual. The reason for the gifts of the Holy Spirit is so that the one with the gift is enabled to serve other believers. That is the purpose of those gifts, not to make uh, heroes and, and celebrities of the gift, from the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peter, 1 Peter 4 verse 10, if you may turn there. 1 Peter 4 verse 10. I'm just laying a foundation before we get into the gifts of the Holy Spirit. One Peter four verse ten says the following. To each one has received a special gift. Employ it in serving yourself. Does it say that? Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. As each has received a special gift. Number three. Each of us have received a special gift. We have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. There is no one with a franchise on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There is no one with all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You may have one, you may have two, you may have three. Depends on the Holy Spirit. But no one has all the gifts. Only one man had all the gift, and his name is Jesus Christ when he walked here on earth. No one has all the gifts. So this tells me something. It tells me that I am dependent on you, and I'm not in independence of, from you. I'm very dependent on you. It tells me that I need to relate with you. I need to be in relationship with you, and not, in, not, and not in relationship with an anointed, open and closed quote, anointed or set man or man of God. Amen. Each, of, each one of us can receive the blessing and, uh, of God from the gifts and the, the, and the ministry that he has distributed to the body. Sometimes I think the church is like a certain dog uh, or a certain animal that has an itch on its back. And it's, it's, it needs to be scratched. And because the most anointed part of its body is a toe. And so it tries to scratch its back using the toe. How many know, know that it's, it's quite uh, difficult to do that and you will end up looking like a dog because you do not value the function of your hands. And so sometimes the church does not value the function of the believers. And so they sit that one man has got everything and can give us everything. But we are meant to be benefiting from one another. 
So limiting the, 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 the blessedness or the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit to a vested individual is theologically wrong. It is wrong for you to do that. Amen. God did not design us to be an island, nor did he design uh, one man to be a mountain in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He has distributed as he sees fit. And so we need to be in fellowship. And when I'm in fellowship with you, one, certain things happen. It's either I am participating in my giftedness or, or, you and, or I'm receiving from what you have. Whether we know it or not, when I am in participation or in fellowship with you, I'm receiving something from you. The Bible says that uh, iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another man. And Paul puts it this way in, in Romans 1 verse uh, 11. He says, I long to come and see you so that you, I may impart, impart a spiritual gift, but so that both of us are mutually benefited. Both of us, you and me, benefit from each other's faith. So that is what the purpose of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is, is so that we are together. There is more one another's in the Bible than one in the Bible. We need to be one another than just one. Amen. The fourth part is this. The Holy Spirit gives as he wills. You cannot cook up the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. You cannot manufacture them. You cannot switch them on and off at will. It's as he wills. So my part as a believer is that I need to, I need to be sensitive to the gifts, to, to the leading of the Holy Spirit and to submit myself to the leading of the Holy Spirit as he manifests his gifts. So, what are the gifts of the Holy Spirit? I've divided them into four. And some people divide them into three categories. It's okay. I've just decided to divide them into four. It's not one of those cases when you get to heaven, they'll ask, were you of those who divided the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit into, into four, or were you those who divided into three? So go that side, you were uneducated. The four, go that, that side, you were more educated. You had more revelation. It's just a way for us to remember. And the reason why I divide them into four is because the, 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 the three, three categories are found in chapter 12 of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, and the others are found in Romans 12. So that's why I just decided to divide them into four. And these are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There is the revelation gifts. In Joel 2 verse 28, it says the following. It says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall see, shall have dreams or dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. There's the inspirational gifts. These are the utterance gifts. It says the following in Ephesians 5 verse 8. But be he filled with the Spirit, addressing one another, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Then there's the power gifts. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 1 to 4, it says the following. And when I came to you, brothers, did not come compare, uh, proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. 
For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness, in fear, and much trembling. And my speech and message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of spirit and power. Then we have the administration gifts. Acts 6, verse 2 to 3. It is not right that, and this is uh, Peter speaking uh, when the Hellenics complained to him. says, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. Imagine the duty of cleaning tables being given the qualification is that you have to be full of the Spirit. Anyone can clean a table, but that tells us that there is something in the Spirit that the Spirit was, was extending to the church for those who, who, who needed to clean tables. But today we're going to cover the revelation gifts. The revelation gifts talk about um, um, it's God revealing um, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no no, no mind has conceived, but it has been revealed to the individual. In the, in the revelation gifts, there are three gifts, um, and we're going to go through them one by one, but I'll just quickly mention them. There is the word of knowledge, there is the word of wisdom, and there is the discernment of spirits. The word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and the discernment of spirits. In the word of knowledge, we'll start off with the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge... Of all these three gifts in the Revelation uh, gifts, two of them have got the same descriptive um, uh, start. Two of them have got the same descriptive start, which is a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. And that, that, uh, that word, word of, is in the Greek is logos and not rhema. And uh, the difference between rhema and logos is this. Rhema is the written word. And Logos is the spoken word. And it's spoken by a living voice. Uh, or it's a discourse. It's a conversation that you're having. And so in the word of knowledge and word of wisdom, the Holy Spirit is literally speaking to you. He is a voice speaking to you. And he is saying something to you. And in the word of knowledge, which is knowledge gnosis in the Greek, it's general knowledge about everything or general understanding. For example, in school we have general knowledge. So if I had to say uh, what, what uh, equation did uh, Einstein come up with, general knowledge would tell you E equals MC squared. But do you know what E equals MC squared is? No, you don't. But you have general knowledge of what Einstein's equation is, E equals MC squared. So when it comes to the Holy Spirit and him functioning and revealing the word of knowledge through a believer, he is telling you something that is generally known, but you do not know it. So when you are dealing with an individual, that person that you're dealing with knows the things that you're speaking about, though you may not have known about it. So he is talking about the past and the present that's currently happening in an individual's life. That's what knowledge is, the word of knowledge. A perfect example is found in John 4, verse, uh, in John 4. 
Jesus is on his way to uh, uh, um, uh, Galilee, and he passes through Samaria. And as he passes through Samaria, he meets a, a woman. He's by the well. A woman uh, by the well, uh, the Samaritan, comes and sits down and gives him water. And they, dis- they start getting into a conversation about water. As they get into that conversation about water, um, eventually he says, I, I can give you water that can well up into eternity. And, he, and she says, I want that water. Then he says to the woman, go and call your husband and come and get this water. And she turns around and says the following. You are right. He says the following, I don't have a, a husband. And Jesus responds and says the following. You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had past five husbands. And the one you are now present have is not your husband. What you have said is true. So this woman knew she had five husbands. She knew she was currently living with the, with, the, with, the, with, the, with the person that she was living with. But Jesus Christ did not know that at that moment. But he revealed that to her. So that is what a word of knowledge is. And when we give the word of knowledge, we should give it in grace. Right there you note Jesus does not say, you are wrong, you live with your husband, you live with somebody that's, that you're not married to. He does not say that. He says it in grace. And most of the times when people give the word of knowledge, they say it in a condemna- uh, um, convicting and they're condemning the person that they're talking to. But we should always realize that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of grace and he will say it graciously and you will lead you to the Savior. And this word of knowledge in verse 39, the Bible says that this woman went to the city and said, come and tell me, the, come and see the man who told me everything about myself. And the whole city, in verse 39 says, the whole city came to the Savior and because Jesus Christ had given a word of knowledge, because he had told her something about herself. Amen. So the word of knowledge will direct a person to and to to the Savior. The next one is a word of wisdom. Just like the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom is a spoken word. It is the spoken word by the Holy Spirit. It's it's a spoken word of wisdom or Sophia. In the Greek, it's the word Sophia, which means the following. It is a broad or full understanding of diverse uh, and, and intricate things. That's what it is. It is a broad understanding of diverse and intricate things. Um, in the word of wisdom, we understand that the word of wisdom is given by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, it is an expression from God. It is God's wisdom. It's not uh, an expression of wisdom. It is God's direct wisdom being given to you, the one who is given the word of wisdom. And it is not wisdom from school. It is not wisdom from, uh, uh, it's not academic wisdom. It is not um, uh, wisdom because you are brilliant or you are a philosopher. It is wisdom that has come directly from God and it is a bit of God's wisdom coming into you for a certain matter or an individual. That's what a word of wisdom is. And in the word of wisdom, the difference between wisdom and knowledge, I want you to remember this. The difference between wisdom and knowledge is that knowledge is information. Wisdom is directional. 
Knowledge is informational. Wisdom is directional. So when you get a word of wisdom, there is a form of direction that you are getting from God. So in, in, when, when a believer is given a word of wisdom, he is literally talking about the future. And as he talks about the future, he is giving you a witness or a warning. Those two, witness or a warning. And the witness talking about uh, something that will witness inside your spirit about what God is doing in your life. It will witness with you. But you, have, you, have, you don't have uh, information. It has not yet happened, but it is witnessing in your spirit. But warning may not witness in your spirit. He is just giving you a warning about things that are going to happen. And if you get a warning, it's up to you to now decide to stop doing what you're doing and change direction. That is what a word of wisdom is. Perfect example is, example is Noah. Noah gave a word of wisdom. In the, in the days of Noah, it had never rained. It had never rained. The plants, the trees, and the vegetation was being watered from underground uh, resources of water. There was no cloud, nothing. Nothing had ever come down in the, in the days of Noah. And when Noah gave, when God told Noah, it will rain for 40 days and 40 nights, a warning most people did not hear because it had never happened. And so that was a word of wisdom. It was being given as a warning. Just because you operate in a word of wisdom does not make you a prophet. But a prophet operates in a word of wisdom. <laughs> I hope that makes sense. Yeah. Amen. So we have to understand that uh, we're going to learn later on that there is a difference between a, a word of wisdom and prophecy. There is a vast difference. Those two are not the same. Amen. We get into the third one. Discerning our spirits. Discerning our spirits. To discern is to recognize, is to uh, distinguish uh, between two, two things. That's what it, uh, discerning is. To discern is a form of direct perception, whereas knowledge is impartation of facts. So there is a perception that you are receiving. Um, in the discernment of spirits, um, the, you, God is giving you, is, is uh, revealing to you uh, the presence of spirits or, so that you, or you are ascertaining what type of spirits are in operation. There is nothing called the discerning of man. Nothing, there's no gift called the discerning of man, but it's called the discerning of spirits. And in the discerning of spirits, um, we have to understand that we cannot uh, confuse them with the clash of personalities. Just because the husband is angry with the wife and thinks she has a demon or she is the devil does not mean she has a demon or a devil. That is not the discerning of spirits. The discerning of spirits is not the gift of suspicion. There are some people, every time they meet an individual, they want to know what spirit is behind that individual. That's not, a, that's not the gift. The discerning of spirits is not the study of psychoanalysis or the projection of ESP, extrasensory uh, uh, perception, which function in the mind. It's not that. It's not... Just like in one movie, I see ghosts or I see dead people. That's not 
the discerning of spirit. Well done for seeing dead people, but that's not the discerning of spirit. The discerning of spirit is a revelation into the activities and the presence of spirit, good or evil. It's not about just seeing devils or fallen angels. It's about also seeing God and his angels. It's a, it's a revelation into the spiritual uh, world. And so when a believer um, walks in a discerning of spirits, there are certain things that will happen. Their eyes are opened into the spiritual realm where their five senses have got no jurisdiction. They are seeing or hearing or tasting or whatever things that are in the spirit and where your physical uh, senses don't have any jurisdiction. So like uh, the discerning of spirit is, is uh, just like a telescope. A telescope will reveal to us the movement of stars in space. A microscope will give us insight into the intricate microscopic uh, uh, life that we do not see. But the discerning of spirit in the human realm uh, gives us uh, insight into what's happening in the spirit. That is what the discerning of spirit is. Seeing angels, manifold or demons or so what, whatever um, you, uh, whatever God wants you to see or the Holy Spirit wants you to see at that time. So uh, the gifts of the spirit right now. Um, it, it may seem like I'm just giving you, uh, just throwing certain things, but it's, it's, it's aimed to show you that he is alive and he wants to function through you. And most people do not realize that they are already functioning in, in those gifts. And they always just think to themselves, I'm a bit strange. So the last example I'll give is not from the Bible. There are so many examples from the Bible, but I'll give a personal exa- example. Some years ago, uh, I used to do hospital visitation to, uh, at Mater Day, and I just visited, um, so I would go to every ward uh, uh, praying for people and, and uh, leading people to the Lord. And I came to the children's ward on, that, uh, on this uh, one day, and as I went through the children's ward, I came to this little boy who had, um, we had tubes all over him, and you could tell that this boy was, well, there was just this um, sadness in him, and he, he, um, we began to talk. He, could, he didn't even smile when I got there, and I asked him to just sit up. He sat up, and I asked, can I pray for you, because the parents weren't there, and he said yes. He was about 10 years old. Um, he said, yes, please pray for me, and uh, I, I laid my hands on him to pray for him, uh, and as I laid my hands to pray for him, um, we, we, I asked God to heal, heal, heal him and uh, to touch the, the, the little boy. I did not, nothing <laughs> prepared me for what was about to happen on that day. Nothing. I just, I wasn't expecting this. All of a sudden, this boy shook a bit. And as he shook, all of a sudden, I saw coming out of his body, my eyes are still closed, coming out of his body, dark form, a dark entity shooting out and coming out of him and rushing out of the hospital, rushing and scampering out of the hospital. I did not expect that. And because I did not expect that, I immediately opened up my eyes and I was greeted by the biggest smile I'd ever seen. And this boy was now able to breathe properly. And I realized God had just shown me 
that it was not a physical ailment, but rather a spiritual ailment that had tormented this boy. So, Father, we give you thanks and praise. We thank you, Lord God, that your spirit, Father God, is active and uh, is in operation in our lives, Father God. We thank you, Father God, though we have have just thrown out these um, these, uh, things, Father God. I pray, Father God, that people will know you through your function and through the manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I pray in your glorious name, Father God, that you will... Uh, working people, Father God, and people will, will want to know more of you, not just know the gifts, but more, more, know more of you and, work, uh, uh, and walk and have a relationship with you. Father God, I thank you in your glorious name, Father, that as we walk in these gifts, oh Father God, the church becomes more effective. The church becomes, um, Father God, um, uh, goes out into the world, oh Father God, and does great and extraordinary things that you have called us to Father God. You have called us to be a sign and wonder in this world, Father God. So I give you thanks and praise for what you're doing in the church, Father God, and through the believers, O Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.